I have a friend who is a pastor here in Texas. He's a pastor in Austin. And uh, he attended the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in Springfield, Missouri, which is where the Assemblies of God a National Office is located. So he went to school there, and uh, there, there were at one time three different Assemblies of God schools in Springfield. There's uh, the, the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, and then there's Evangel University. And there used to be a Bible college there called Central Bible College. It since has merged with Evangel. And so when he was there, all three schools were, were functioning. And uh, so my friend tells this interesting story about the rivalry that existed between Central Bible College and Baptist Bible College. They're, they're, these schools were directly across the street from each other. And one is a Pentecostal Bible College, the other one is a Baptist Bible College. And so it had this fierce rivalry. Now, they, these teams don't have football, but they have basketball. And so the, the basketball games, uh, I understand, were pretty intense. Uh, at, at, their riv- at their games, because of this rivalry they had, uh, their games, uh, the games themselves were not only intense, but uh, even the, the spectators got into it and the cheerleaders would get into it. So uh, apparently at their games, at the... Central Bible College cheerleaders, the Pentecostals, would taunt the Baptist side by cheering, we've got the Spirit, yes we do, we've got the Spirit, how about you? So then the Baptist cheerleaders would respond by mocking the Pentecostal cheerleaders, and they would mock them in this way, they would pretend to speak in tongues and then fall to the ground, fall to the floor, and that was, that was what they did. Now, we're going to talk about praying in the Spirit today, but we're not going to mock anybody. We're not going to taunt anyone. We're just going to see what the Bible says. We're in the middle of this series titled Spirit World. And we've been talking about how there's another, how there's another dimension out there. There's a, a parallel universe, if you will. It's a spirit world that intersects with our natural world. It's a, a spiritual dimension that interacts with our natural dimension. Now, I know next to nothing about quantum physics, but I did a little reading this week, prompted by my friend, Noé Reina, many of you know him. I did a little reading about the three dimensions which we all recognize. You know, day-to-day life has made us all comfortable with three dimensions, We constantly interact with objects that have height, width, and depth. But the question is, are there other dimensions out there beyond the three dimensions that we interact with? Well, scientists have theorized that there are, in fact, more dimensions out there, more than three. Some say that there are 11 dimensions. Others say that the that it's possible that the number of dimensions beyond our natural realm is, is limitless. There are many, many more dimensions. In other words, they're starting to recognize that there's another world out there, that there's a spirit world. Now, this is nothing new to those of us who study the Bible and who believe the Bible to be God's word. But it's nice to start to get some confirmation from scientists. Because as we've seen from the very beginning of the Bible, from Genesis 1... We see the reality of the spirit world. Genesis 1 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
And verse 2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So from the very beginning, we see the Spirit of God. Before there was a physical world, there was already a spirit world. So we've been looking at a passage in this series from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In in Ephesians 6, if you want to turn there with me. Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. The first week, we looked at the first uh, four verses, uh, verses 10 through 13. And then last week, we added... Uh, Verses 14 through 17. Today we're going to look at verse 18. And next week we're going to finish off by looking at verse 19. So today we're going to read, and just to to get the whole context, we're going to read from verse 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So we're going to talk today about praying in the Spirit. What does that mean? How do we do that? This is important because as we've been talking in this series, our warfare against against Satan is very intense. It's a fierce battle. We can't minimize it. As in any battle... There are casualties, and there have been casualties. I mean, there are people who are uh, and will be lost forever, separated from God, dying without God, separated from God for eternity because they were ill-prepared to fight against the enemy, or because even though they, they knew the seriousness of spiritual warfare, they became spiritually careless. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is that we understand the battle we're fighting and how we're poised to win if we learn to trust in God and in His Holy Spirit. Now, our warfare against Satan's spiritual forces is is fierce. And so it, it calls for prayer that is intense. Not just any prayer, but prayer that is intense. Praying in the Spirit is not just another part of the armor of God. We just read about the full armor of God. Well, praying in the Spirit is not just another weapon, but praying in the Spirit is actually part of the conflict itself. That's why we struggle with prayer so much. That's why you say, I'm going to develop a prayer life. I'm going to get up early and pray, and then you oversleep, or something comes up, and there's a struggle, because it's part of the actual conflict with the spirit world. 
So praying in the Spirit is what we do with the armor when we put on the armor of God. To fail to pray in the Spirit is to, is to give up. To fail to pray in the Spirit is to surrender to the enemy. So I want to talk today about praying first. Let's talk about praying first. And then we'll talk about praying in the Spirit. Okay, so we talk about praying first. Let me start off by saying this. Prayer is simply talking to God, but it's not merely talking to God. Prayer is simply talking to God, but it's not merely talking to God. Now, what does that mean? Well, prayer is, is simply talking to God, but it's much more than that. Simply talking to God is not the same thing as merely talking to God. Simply talking to God means that it's simple. Merely talking to God means that that's all there is, just talking to God. And we know that's not true. There's much more. That's why Paul wrote, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. See, there are all kinds of prayers and requests. There's different kinds of prayers. There's different types of praying. But a lot of times we never go beyond just a simply talking to God. And, and that's good. That's a great start. But it, it's much more than that. Now, here's what I mean. Prayer is simple because, as I said, it's talking to God. Anyone can pray. Children can pray. These little children are learning to pray. Don't they look cute when they, when they close their eyes and sometimes they'll put their hands together? They're learning to pray. And when they learn to speak clearly, they learn to talk to God. Children can pray. Teenagers can pray. Adults can pray. You don't need big words to pray. You don't need all this flowery language to pray. You don't have to come before God and say, Oh, thou great and terrible Jehovah who abidest on high. You don't have to do any of that. Anyone can pray. You just, you just talk to God. That's the beauty of prayer. It's simply talking to God. But prayer is not just merely talking to God as if that's all prayer is. There's more to prayer than that. That's why Paul says, Pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer and petitions. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set the foundation here for praying in the Spirit. And we'll get to that in a minute. All right. So to understand there's more to praying in our own words, praying with our own understanding. There's another way of praying. So prayer is simply talking to God, but it's not merely talking to God. Secondly, praying is something we should do often. It should be a regular part of our day. It should be a regular part of our day. And when I say that, I mean it should be a scheduled part of our day. Because, you know, if you don't schedule something, you don't do it. If you, if you say, let's get together someday. Let's have lunch. Yeah, let's have lunch. And you need to walk your own, you go your own way. You're not going to do it, right? Unless you actually schedule it. And you say, well, when? You surprise somebody when they say it to you. Hey, let's get together someday. Okay, when? Tell me. Pull out your phone and your calendar. All right, so a regular... Um, it being a regular part of our day means that it should be a scheduled part of, all, of our day. And Paul says, praying on all occasions. On all occasions. So he's saying, take advantage of every opportunity to pray. How many opportunities to pray do we bypass every day? That we have a chance to pray and we don't do it. Paul would say, don't do it anymore. Take advantage of every opportunity. Pray on all occasions. We should pray often. We should pray frequently. It should be second nature to us. It should be something we default to when we're, when we're sad. Pray when, when you're down. Pray when you have a need. Pray when you're happy. Pray. When things go well, pray. 
When you get a raise at your job, pray. When you get a new job, pray. It should, it should be something we default to on all occasions. And prayer is needed at all times because we're in a spiritual battle at all times. You're always in a spiritual battle. And this spiritual battle, spiritual warfare is conducted through prayer. It's through prayer that we fight. If you're not praying, you're not fighting. That's all there's to it. If you're not praying, you're not fighting. Years ago, I read a story, an article about some people, church people, who uh, were dressing up in, in fatigues and you know, military uh, clothes and they, they would dress up that way to do spiritual warfare against the enemy. And it wasn't like some kind of symbolism, like this is symbolic of what we're doing spiritually. No, they felt like you got to dress like this and you got to do warfare against the enemy. Well, you don't have to dress that way because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting. This is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. So it's fought in the spiritual realm and it's fought through prayer. Remember the story we looked at last week of Daniel? Daniel had a request before God. He had been reading uh, something in, uh, about Israel's future, Israel's destiny, and there was something he didn't understand. So he asked God to reveal to him the meaning of what he was reading. And so God immediately sent an angel with the answer. But the angel didn't get there for 21 days, for three weeks. And so day after day, Daniel is praying. And then he started fasting because the answer wasn't coming. So he's praying every day. Fasting every day, praying, fasting every day. Finally, the angel got there with the answer. And the angel told him this. The angel said, since the day that you started praying, since day one, I was sent with the answer. He said, but the prince of Persia, and the prince of Persia was a, a demonic being, a demon who some way, somehow had oversight. He had oversight over Persia. And so the angel said, the prince of Persia came up against me. He tried to stop me. And he had to call for reinforcements and he had to call for Michael, the archangel, to come and to help him. So he fought, he fought against the demon of Persia for 21 days. And what was Daniel doing during this time? He was praying. As he was praying, the battle was going on. And at the end of the 21 days, finally, he was able to reach the angel was able, to, was able to reach Daniel with the answer that Daniel needed. Now, I believe, and the implication here in the scriptures is that if Daniel had stopped praying, if he had stopped praying, that battle in, in the heavenly realms, that battle in the spirit world would have gone a different direction. So it's through our praying that we fight the battle. That's why we need to pray on all occasions. Now, prayer then for us as believers should not be an afterthought, something that we get to every once in a while, but it should be something that we do regularly because it's our primary source of strength and battling. Now, I, I make a distinction between saying our prayers and praying regularly. Between saying our prayers and praying regularly. We can say our prayers daily without establishing the regular habit of prayer the habit that we need to fight against Satan's spiritual forces. We can learn to pray in a ceremonial fashion, but God is looking for people who really know how to engage the enemy in battle. That kind of prayer is beyond just saying our prayers. That kind of prayer involves our whole being. It involves our, our spirit doing battle in prayer. That kind of praying takes energy. 
That kind of praying takes emotion. That kind of praying takes time. Now, on one occasion, we read in the scriptures that Jesus took his disciples with him when he went to pray. And this is right before Jesus was arrested, before he was arrested, tortured, and, and crucified. And so Jesus was facing a, an intense spiritual battle. He's struggling. He's struggling. He said to God, Father, if it's possible, don't let me, don't make me go through this. Let this cup pass from me. And the Bible says that he was sweating what seemed to be drops of blood. It was an intense spiritual battle he's involved in. He's about to, to go through this time of torture and, this, and, and being crucified. And so he needed his disciples there to watch and to pray with him. But while he was praying, his disciples fell asleep. So he came back to them and they're fast asleep. So Jesus asked him, could you not watch with me one hour? He to say, you see what I'm going through. And you, you couldn't watch with me for one hour. Now, does this mean that we should all be praying one hour a day? Well, I mean, that would be great. But I think the principle here is not that we have to pray an hour a day. Nothing wrong with that. I know people who do. But the principle is that praying takes time. Saying your prayers doesn't take very much time. But praying takes time. It could take an hour. It could be 30 minutes. It could be 15 minutes. It could take 10 minutes. But it takes time. Saying your prayers is quick. But praying that engages the spirit world takes time. So let's talk now about this kind of praying then. About praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit is important because it takes you into the spirit world. Praying in the spirit takes you into the spirit world. And I don't want to minimize praying in, 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 in a regular fashion in our, in our natural dimension. I don't want to minimize that. That's important. We're going to see in a minute here. We're going to read how Paul said, I do both. I pray, uh, I pray in the natural with words that I understand. And I pray in the spirit with words that I don't understand. So they're not mutually exclusive. But praying in the spirit is important because it means... Praying in the power and in the sphere of the Spirit. That goes beyond praying with our minds. That goes beyond praying in the natural realm. Now, like I said, I don't want to minimize praying in the natural realm because all praying, all praying affects the spirit world. All of it does. But praying in the Spirit engages the spirit world at another level. It goes beyond praying in the natural it engages the spirit world at a whole different level. Now, there are three, three times that we read praying in the spirit in the scriptures. Praying in the spirit is mentioned three times in the Bible. The first time is in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, where he writes this. What then, or well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So see how he makes a distinction there. Praying in the Spirit, and then praying with words that we understand. Alright, so we're going to see here in a few minutes how speaking in tongues is part of praying in the Spirit. And Paul here makes that distinction when he says, I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll pray with words that I understand. Now praying with words that we understand, or praying with understanding, is good. That's good. But praying in the Spirit 
is better because it influences the spirit world. It allows us to communicate with God using language that the devil can't intercept and he, he can't somehow influence, he can't stop. Instead of him influencing us, we influence him with our powerful prayers. Now all of us know the, the distractions and the obstacles we face when we pray, right? When you, when you decide you're going to pray, you start praying and your mind starts wandering. One minute you're talking to the Almighty God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and the next moment you're thinking, what are we having for supper tonight, right? And if, if, you, if you kneel when you pray, you kneel and your knees start hurting, right? Uh, or if you're like me, my stomach starts rumbling. I get really hungry when I pray. I don't know why, right? So many distractions, so many distractions. Well, when we pray in the Spirit, we rise above those obstacles, and, and then the enemy can't come put thoughts in our mind, because when we pray in the natural, not only do we start thinking about supper, but sometimes the enemy puts horrible thoughts in our minds, and you're like, how did that get into my head? I'm trying to talk to God here. When we pray in the Spirit, then we rise above all those natural obstacles into the spiritual realm. And so we're able to engage the spirit world at a whole different level. So that's the first place it's mentioned. The second place it's mentioned is Jude the book of Jude, verses 20 and 21. Jude, on, Jude is not divided into chapters, it's just one. But Jude 20 and 21 reads like this. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, there's that phrase, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So he mentions there in, in verse 20, praying in the Holy Spirit. All right, second time we see that. Praying in the Holy Spirit, he's telling us here, is uh, praying in the Holy Spirit builds us up spiritually. He says, build yourselves up praying in the Holy Spirit. Build your, your faith up. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit. So praying in the Spirit builds us up spiritually and it gets us ready for spiritual warfare. Just like if, if you're going to do physical battle, if you're in the army or some other branch of the military, then you go through training and you build yourself up. You get ready for warfare. That's the way it is to fight against the enemy, against his spiritual forces. We've got to build ourselves up. And the way we do this is by praying in the Spirit. Because life is hard. Right? Life is hard. It gets us down. It defeats us sometimes, it depresses us, it deflates us. But we can build ourselves up by praying in the Spirit. Right, so 1 Corinthians 14, Jude 20. And the third place where praying in the Spirit, that phrase is found, is the one that we're looking at already in Ephesians 6, 18, where Paul says, praying, or pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now let's talk about about this praying in the Spirit a little bit more because there are two main thoughts about praying in the Spirit from this passage in Ephesians 6. There are two main thoughts about what this means. One has to do with praying about things that God is concerned about. And we're going to see that next week in verse 19 as we're working our way through this passage. Next week we'll talk about that. The other thought is that, and I've been alluding to this all along, is that praying in the Spirit is a reference to praying in tongues. 
Now, to understand praying in tongues, we have to understand something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, before we get into this, let me ask you to set aside any preconceived ideas you might have, any prejudices you might have. In fact, not only about the whole idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the whole idea about speaking in tongues, but let me ask you to set aside any preconceived ideas you have uh, about the definition of those words. You might hear me say words that you've been hearing all your life, but they might have been interpreted differently or used differently. I want you to set all your, your preconceived ideas aside, and let's just look at what the Word of God says here and, and try to listen with a clear mind. So to understand praying in tongues... We have to understand this event called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to do that by answering three questions today. The first question is, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is a baptism in the Holy Spirit? Now, the New Testament gives us three different baptisms. The first is when the Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ or baptizes us into Christ. We call this being saved. We call this conversion. Jesus called this being born again, right? When the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, into Christ. The second baptism is the baptism in water. When we're baptized in water, this is the external evidence that we've been saved. The external evidence of having uh, been born again. And the third baptism we find in the New Testament is when Christ baptizes us in the Spirit. All right, so in each case, we've got three cases. The first one, the Spirit baptizes us into Christ. Second one, we're baptized in water. And then the third one is when Christ baptizes us into the Spirit. And we call that the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, in each case, baptism represents immersion. You know what it means to be immersed, to, to be fully immersed in water, okay? So, Baptism represents immersion, either immersion into Christ when we're saved, immersion into water when we're baptized, or immersion into the Holy Spirit when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me see if I can try to create a visual for you right now. So we're talking about three different baptisms, and all three different baptisms have three different uh, aspects to them, or three different... Uh, agents, so to speak. For example, in salvation, the one, there's, there's always the one who's doing the baptizing, the one that is being baptized, and then the elements into which we're baptized. Okay, so the one who's doing the baptizing, the one who's being baptized, and then the elements into which we're baptized. All three baptisms have those elements. So, for example, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit does the baptizing, we're baptized when we're saved, and we're baptized into the body of Christ. We're baptized into Christ. Okay, that's uh, salvation. Now, in water baptism, the minister does the baptizing. The, there's a person who's being baptized, and he's baptized or she's baptized into water. Water is the element. And then in the third example, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus Christ who is a baptizer. He's the agent who does the baptizing. And he, he baptizes a person who's already been saved. He's a person being baptized and baptized into the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I don't have time today. I wish I had time, but I don't want to. I guess I do have time, but you'd probably walk out of me because it would take a long time to go into detail and see all these things in Scripture. But there is Scripture. I'm not making any of this up. All these have Scripture reference to them. But uh, so the agent of, of baptism in, in uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is Jesus. He baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. Now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to being saved. That is to say, it comes after we're saved. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved, but then we're baptized in the Holy Spirit after we're saved. In some cases, at the same time, we're saved. Now, let me give you just some biblical uh, examples of this. After Jesus died and came back to life, the, the day of his resurrection, everything changed. Now we're in this new covenant. Now in this, this day of grace, and it's, it's, a, it's a new covenant. So now he goes to his disciples. He appears to them that night of the resurrection. He appears to them. Remember, they were behind closed doors. They were afraid of the Jews because they thought the Jews would go after them after they killed Jesus. So Jesus goes to them, and, and this is what happens. We read this in John 20. He breathes on them. He blows on them, and he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit, right? Now, I've, I've always asked this question. It's a rhetorical question. How many of you know that if Jesus tells you, receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, right? It's going to take the first time because Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That was their conversion experience. That's when they were saved because when we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. But in spite of all that, just a few days later, Jesus told them, he says, I want you to go and I want you to wait in Jerusalem because I want you to wait for the promise of the Father because the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit and you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they could have said, well, I thought we already received the Holy Spirit. Yes, but that was in salvation. Now you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You know, like being immersed in water. Now you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus made it clear it's a subsequent event. That's why Paul was going through Ephesus one day and he found some disciples there. The Bible says they were disciples. They were followers of Christ. They had already received the Holy Spirit in salvation. And Paul asked them, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. So he said, well, what baptism did you receive? And they said, we received the baptism of John. So then he taught them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he laid hands on them. And when he laid hands on them, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they all spoke in tongues. So we see clearly from these two examples and others that this is subsequent to being saved. All right. So the next question is, what is the relationship of speaking in tongues to the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is the relationship between speaking in tongues to the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me ask you this question. How many of you... Let me see a show of hands. How many of you have been baptized in water by immersion? Let me see your hands. You've been baptized in water by immersion. Okay. All right. So how did you know? How did you know after you were baptized in water that you were baptized in water? Because you're all wet. You were all wet. You came out of the water. Now, I did hear a story about a, about a man who baptized a minister. Uh, somebody's got a minister who, who baptized somebody and brought her back up out of the water, and then realized that the top of her head was still dry. And he panicked because he thought, oh no, they're going to get my credentials. They're going to let me go because I didn't do it right. So while that 
lady was just praising God for being baptized. He grabbed her again and he dunked her, made sure that she was fully covered. So, because that's what immersion is, right? And how do people know they're baptized in water? They're wet. In other words, water baptism has a physical component to it. Now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit also has a physical component, and that is speaking in other tongues. And this is, the, the doctrinal teaching here in the scriptures is simply this, that tongues, speaking in tongues, is the initial physical evidence, the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So very quickly, let me give you the three. It's the initial evidence. That means it's just the first evidence. There are other evidences about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is just a gateway entrance into the Spirit-empowered life. It's just a gateway entrance into being able to engage the Spirit world with power and authority. And uh, it's initial. The second thing is it's physical. That means that supernatural speech is involved. It's supernatural. It's not made up. We're speaking in a language that we haven't learned. We didn't make it up. We didn't study it. It's something the Spirit of God gives us a gift. It's, a, it's another language. It could be an earthly language. It could be a heavenly language that, that nobody on earth speaks. But it's a physical language that is spoken physically. Thirdly, it's evidence. The initial physical evidence. It's evidence. That is to say, just as people know they've been baptized in water because they got wet, so we know that we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit because we spoke in tongues. Now, speaking in tongues is not gibberish. It's not unintelligible. It's not nonsense. It's not something that we do because we're in some kind of out-of-body experience or some kind of ecstatic experience where we don't control ourselves. We do control ourselves. We have full control of our faculties at all times. But what it is, it's just releasing from our hearts this praise to God. In the book of Acts, the first time the baptism of the Holy Spirit is found in books, the book of Acts chapter 2, the, the disciples were, the, uh, the people who heard those languages, heard them praising God in their own languages. So speaking in tongues is, is simply this discussion of our praise to God. At the same time, we cleanse our souls. Something powerful is happening within us spiritually. Uh, something powerful is happening within us psychologically, even emotionally. We're being cleansed. We're being cleansed as we praise God in another language, as we declare to God His, His mighty works and His worthiness that we praise Him. Now, people today in our culture, a lot of people face depression. We get depressed, we get down. Some people more than others. Some people deeper depression than others. What an antidote to that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. On the day of Pentecost, nobody's depressed. They're all praising God. I mean, they're, they're full of joy. They're so filled with joy that people thought they were drunk. They mistook their joy for them being drunk. At nine in the morning, you know, we need a good shot of joy. We need a good shot of the Holy Spirit to help us overcome our depression and to praise God. Now, let's answer the last question. How do we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? How do we receive it? Jesus said that to receive it, all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. In John chapter 11, and I'm, not, I'm sorry, not John. In Luke 11, 
Jesus is, talk, is teaching about prayer. And in verse 9, Luke 11, 9, this is not in your notes, but you look it up if you want. Luke 11, 9 reads like this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks find, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Then he says in verse 11, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Would you do that to your children? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Notice the connection that Jesus made. Look, all you got to do is ask. If you, being evil, know how to give your children what they need when they ask you, how much more will God give you the Holy Spirit? He's saying, because that's what you need. You need the Holy Spirit. So what, what do we have to do? Just ask. And what that implies is that there has to be a hunger for God and for His Holy Spirit. There has to be a desire. God, give me your Holy Spirit. Don't just seek the tongues. See, some people seek the tongues. Like Simon, Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts. He, he, he wanted the tongues. He wanted, he wanted to pay money for the ability to speak in tongues. That's why the disciples says, may, said to, them, may, to him, may you be cursed along with your money. We're not just seeking the sign. We're not just seeking the evidence. We're seeking the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. God will take care of the sign. So all you got to do is ask. But you must also remember that we're speaking of the Holy Spirit. So we have to consciously examine our lives and ask Him to cleanse our hearts, to purify our hearts, to purify our thinking and our actions. And, and often, thirdly, often it helps to find someone who has already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on you and to pray for you to receive like we see in the book of Acts chapter 19. And, and finally, as the Spirit begins to form unknown words in our thoughts, in your mind, speak them out. You know, we're saved by faith, and we, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And a lot of times, in, in fact, I remember reading a story about a man who, when he was, for years he was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and finally, after many years, he received this, uh, this infilling of the Holy Spirit, and he spoke in tongues, and then he said later, he said, for years, I've been hearing these words in my mind, but I never spoke them. I thought they were just my words. And then finally realized that was the Spirit of God giving him a language he didn't understand. And so, desire that. Seek that. Hunger for that. Now, let me finish with this. And I'm sorry that I've gone longer than usual, but I really wanted to, to cover this. It's very important. You're already in a spiritual battle. Whether you want to or not, you're in this battle. Why not take advantage of the power of God for your battle, for your warfare? Why not seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Ask God to fill you. Ask God to baptize you with power. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do. Just seek Him. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you what you need. So today, as we take some time to, to respond... Would you just take some time to seek God and to seek His Holy Spirit? 
You know, it could happen today, could happen tonight, could happen tomorrow, could happen this week. But the bottom line is, show God that you're serious. Tell God, I'm serious. I, I'm going to seek you this week. I'm, I'm going to call out to you, God, because I need this power for my life. I'm tired of being beat up by the enemy. I'm tired of losing the spiritual battle. I want to be victorious. I want to come out on top through the power of your Holy Spirit.